Welcome back, everybody, to Pole Hook Golf, the podcast. This is episode number 87. Woo! We are live. And Bobby just got back from Japan, so he is not going to be on tonight. Uh, so once again, I am going solo, and I'm going to give you the full rundown when it comes to everything Live Golf, Zozo Championship, the PGA Tour and PIF Agreement, and where we're at with all of that, because one of our audience members, Austin, ended up asking us, hey, do you guys know what the latest is here with the whole PIF Agreement? So I'm going to break that all down and give you some thoughts around that particular deal right now, and then Live Golf Miami, the team championship, I'm going to recap that at the very end and then i got a little something special for everybody at the very very end so make sure to continue to stay tuned into that part of it as well all right let's go ahead and dive right in but before we do you know 25 percent off at swannies.co i'm wearing the celebrate pars hat tonight I got the Swannies hoodie on as well. Man, this thing is so comfortable. I feel like I wear this all the time. And their description on their website couldn't be any better in terms of describing what this sweatshirt is because they say that uh, they've had a problem in the office with everybody just wearing these into the office every single day. And I understand why. I mean, this thing is so dang comfy. So promo code PullHookGolf25. So if you are a first-time listener, go to swannies.co. They are blowing up. They just had their huge warehouse sale to where they're moving warehouse locations, and they were getting rid of a ton of stuff, ton of discounts. So definitely go on. Take advantage of the 25% off discount count utilizing promo code pullhookgolf25 at checkout and it's on your entire order so it's not just a single item well here's the thing folks i'm wearing the celebrate pars hat today because i've got to cheer myself up a little bit i played in the tuesday skins game shout out to johnny football good old johnny menzel was out there today um and i only made two birdies today and it was not a pretty day i Struggled. So just starting to work again with my golf instructor. Um, and here's the thing. We're going to be coming out with a series over the next three weeks. So actually Thursday of this week, you're going to see the first episode go out with my mental performance coach. Then from there, we've got my golf fitness trainer, Ando over at PFS Systems. And uh, then from there, we've got Mike Crea, my golf instructor, who is part of Tour Striker down at the Raven Golf Club here in Phoenix. Um, so without further ado, my uh, my game, it disappeared on me. I played pretty well over the weekend, and then all of a sudden going into uh, that particular skins game, just uh, the swing just wasn't there, and I was talking to my instructor about it, and uh, he's like, hey, this is part of the journey. This is part of the process, especially when you're making big swing changes like you are. So, again, looking forward to hopefully at some point playing a little bit better golf there, but let's get into the important stuff. The rundown when it comes to the Zozo Championship that took place in Japan. I don't know if you were like me or not, but this weekend it was tough to at 8 o'clock at night. There was so much going on in the world of sports, and I'm a big sports person in general, not just when it comes to golf. So it definitely was a little bit on the tougher side in order to get into the Zozo Championship with the hours that were different. I think it was starting at 8 o'clock here on the West Coast. So I definitely was not uh, tuning in as much as I wanted to. And then um, after the fact, I watched all the replays. So Colin Morikawa. Is Colin Morikawa an enigma? Because I just don't know what he is yet. You've heard Bobby and I talk about him on this show, and we're just like, you just don't really know what he is at this point. But I will tell you this, he earned a lot of my respect because in that Saturday round, in that third round, he started with a double bogey on the first hole. He was three over par through, I believe it was four holes. And Colin Morikawa grinded it out 
and then caught fire absolute fire and there was some windy conditions out there this was not an easy golf tournament by any means you saw a lot of the guys over par i mean the winning score with colin morikawa what was it 12 on 14 under which he won by six shots so the next best was at eight under so that goes to show you the difficulty because you got some of the top players in the world out there and for it not to go that low is pretty impressive to not only the golf course, but also the weather conditions. And Colin Morikawa, man, I th- he ended up, and everybody knows, his iron game is insane, especially when it comes to his long, mid to long irons, right? I think his six iron is the accuracy of most PGA Tour pros pitching wedges. So that goes to show you where his the quality of his game is and i know he's been working a ton with his potting and his potter was lights out over in japan but he ended up that back nine on saturday in that third round was absolutely incredible i mean he rattled off four birdies in a row at one point Uh, Ends up shooting 66 in that round. So he comes all the way back up the leaderboard, was trailing by two, heading into the final day. And then Sunday happens, and he gets it to 14 under, shoots seven under, where the two guys in this leaderboard rundown that I'm going to do, both shot even par. So Eric Cole, who's probably going to get Rookie of the Year, I think it's pretty well solidified at this point. This kid just keeps popping up in the top ten and even in the top five lately. So kudos and shout out to Eric Cole for just being a model of consistency out there. And, you know, we know how tough that is, especially everybody who listens to this podcast probably is a golfer in some way, shape, or form. And consistency on a day-to-day basis is not easy to do. And to carry that over week after week after week, Eric Cole is doing that. Uh, Bo Hostler also playing really well, really, really good golf right now. Uh, Bo Hostler ended up shooting even par in that final uh, round. So Eric Cole, Bo Hostler both finished tied for second in, at Zozo. And then you got Ishikawa ends up going out there, um, Shelton, uh, what's Shelton's first name? Robbie Shelton. Sorry. My apologies there. But Robbie goes out, shoots five under in the final day. I mean, that's going to move you right up that leaderboard. Um, so there were a few low numbers. I mean, nothing was crazy low. I mean, the lowest I'm seeing here is five under. So shooting five under on a golf course that, uh, you know, you would think it's gettable it's it plays a little bit on the tighter side especially coming down the stretch but it's not i mean colin morikawa shoots seven under in that final round blows everybody else away wins by six shots so i'm still not a i'm still wrapping my head around it because colin morikawa you saw him at the Ryder cup Mm. you see him week in week out Mm. some people are going to hate that I just said that, but that's the way that Bobby and I viewed it. I mean, that's the way I view it, at least. I haven't talked to Bobby since he was over there in Japan, saw the conditions firsthand with SH Kim, and then, I mean, Morikawa. I mean, we'll we'll get uh, a little bit of feedback from Bobby hopefully next week once he's all rested up, back in gear and ready to go. Um, and to be, it'll be interesting to see if SH plays down in Cabo. I haven't talked to Bobby about it as of yet, um, if he's going to be playing or not, but he is on the participants list. Um, so, yeah, you got that going for us. Now, as we move beyond the Zozo, because really that was the storyline, Colin Morikawa, there just really wasn't anything else there um, in terms of storylines, in my opinion. Um, you know, it is interesting to see that Aaron Baddeley, well, I guess there's a storyline there. And by the way, Keegan Bradley didn't have the greatest of tournaments, but he was top 20. So Keegan Bradley ends up shooting one under, uh, I mentioned him that uh, I kind of expected something big from him last week and that didn't end up coming to fruition. Uh, but Aaron Baddeley, Aaron Baddeley did was not in and there is something weird about 
the way this fall season is structured because Aaron Baddeley was on the outside of the Shriners trying to Monday qualify out in Vegas two weeks ago. But he was in on the Zozo when Zozo was literally only 70 plus guys and you, I mean, there's no cut. So how does he get into the Zozo but can't get into the Shriners? We're going to ask Bobby a little bit about that as well next week. But let's talk a little bit because there was a question that came in from an audience member, Austin, uh, shout out to you for sending in a question, which ended up leading to a segment this week. I didn't want to talk about it last week on the episode because I felt like it deserved a little bit of airtime. And it ended up turning into an entire segment to the PGA Tour and PIF agreement. Where is that at right now? And a lot of people, when they saw the maneuvers by PIF, and by Yasir, um, everybody was saying, oh, the Saudis are playing chess, not checkers. PGA Tour is playing checkers. Well, you know, this is a little foot and mouth type of moment for the Saudis because the whole Israel conflict that's going on right now with the Palestinians, not going to get political on it, but there, basically Piff came out or Prince Al Solomon came out and uh, backed the Palestinians. PGA Tour comes out, backs Israel. And that right there leads to conflict when trying to put this deal together with PIF. Now, if you're the PGA Tour, what is your PR department telling you to do? To keep the peace treaty as long as humanly possible Keep them thinking that we're working on a deal. And here's my theory, okay? PGA Tour is not going to end up in bed with PIF. There you have it. They're not going to end up in bed with PIF after everything that has gone down. And the guy who's going to be the genius in all of this, and I even heard it on the the, uh, putting green, out at the Shriners, I heard a few veteran players that are very much in the know talking with some PGA Tour officials, and they were talking about Jimmy Dunn and how impressed they are by everything that he's done for the tour and everything that he's done through the negotiations and everything going on because guess what? There's a lot of investment money out there that wants a piece of golf, and that is is the absolute key. So maybe Piff had the advantage heading into this, but the PGA Tour now is in the driver's seat to where I don't think they need to take the money from the Saudis at this point because they have multiple groups coming forward. The first one being Endeavor. Endeavor, which used to be WME, IMG, they're the owners of the UFC, CEO Ari Emanuel, he came out a while back and was talking about the fact that he was actually going to put a billion dollars into Live Golf because they wanted a piece of golf. And he didn't because the PGA Tour asked him not to. So Jay went to him and said, hey, would you mind not putting that billion dollars into Live Golf? No problem. So what are the rumors? What are the things going around right now is that... Endeavor wants a piece of the PGA Tour and is willing to invest. Now, that number has not been disclosed yet. But word is that it is north of a billion dollars. So north of a billion dollars as far as an investment coming into the PGA Tour from a non-Saudi group with PIF. Once again, Jimmy Dunn, This guy has done negotiations. He has done deals like this. He comes from the finance world. So he's not an idiot when it comes to setting up deals or knowing how to string somebody along along the way in order to use them as leverage, okay? And certainly within that, 
within the leverage that they have, all these groups are coming forward going, hey, are you going to take that Saudi money? Do you want more money? Because that is what this new umbrella that the PGA Tour has structured through all of this with PIF. Now, they don't want PIF poaching players right now, which is why they're not going to come just out and say, hey, we're considering other investments. We're absolutely not going to take PIF's money they're looking at this as a strategic move to where now they have leverage. They have multiple investors that want to invest large sums of money into the PGA Tour. Another one that was reported recently is the Fenway Group. And if you have paid attention to the TGL, which is tied to the PGA Tour, Tiger and Rory's Indoor Golf League, the Fenway Group bought the Boston franchise. So, what does that tell you? Conversations not only end there, they continue to go along. And there is reports that the Fenway Group, which, by the way, owns the Boston Red Sox, they own Liverpool, and they are the, um, they are the controlling interest in terms of their ownership stake in the Pittsburgh Penguins, okay? So you've got a major sports group that wants a piece of golf. They want to be a part of that conversation. And then the next one is I find very, very interesting, which is I'm going to, I might botch the name Arctos sports partners. I apologize if that's not correct. Arctos sports partners, but according to front office sports, Arctos has stakes in more than 20 sports teams, including NBA's, Golden State Warriors, you've got the Utah Jazz, Sacramento Kings. Then you move into baseball with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants. Like, you get it. I mean, it goes on and on. Houston Astros. Then you get into the NHL. You've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, Minnesota Wild, and even more than that. So all of a sudden you've got money coming in from three different groups right now. Now, in business, you always kind of know that if there's smoke, there's usually a fire where that smoke is coming from. That's three large sports groups that are talking with the PGA Tour about investing large sums of money into the PGA Tour. You do the math on that one. But I'm putting my money on Jimmy Dunn. Because the PGA Tour, originally when this was all going down, and you can go into past episodes and everything, I've been pretty critical in regards to the PGA Tour. I was actually, you know, the chess move that Piff made was pretty intelligent um, in terms of kind of forcing the hand of the PGA Tour, getting the PGA Tour to have to reconsider their stance with Piff and with Live Golf. Now... Do I think that Live Golf, that the PGA Tour still has an initiative there to get rid of Live Golf? Yeah, I do. And part of this is that, you know, if this deal does end up coming to fruition with Piff the Magic Dragon, that they will end up in a situation where Piff's investment into the PGA Tour ends up being diluted by all these other investors. So that's going to be a pretty interesting scenario to keep an eye on, folks. If you keep hearing more and more names coming up as investors that are interested in investing into the PGA Tour, guess what? They're probably having those conversations and taking those pretty seriously. I mean, that was one of the things that they talked about in... um, when they met in front of, oh gosh, was it Congress, Congress, Supreme Court? I, I forget, but they ended up when Don was there with the other PGA tour official and they were talking about and having to disclose and answer all these questions about PIF and why them, um, why can't you go out and get private equity money here in the United States? Well, now we're we're actually seeing that take place. And I have a funny feeling, folks, 
that the PGA Tour at the end of this is going to come out looking pretty gosh darn good. And the players are going to be pretty happy because golf is going to be in a very nice financial situation. Man, it's going to get interesting. So I wanted to take some time and really dive into that because you don't necessarily get that from just all the reports that are coming out around it. You really got to kind of conceptualize this entire thing and look at it as a whole right now. And certainly the PGA Tour has quite a bit of leverage. And at the very least, they're going to get a much better deal from PIF than previously. But again, the politics and PIF coming out and saying what they said. Defending Palestine. And then you've got oh, the PGA Tour defending Israel. That's not good for a negotiation. I will, I'll be the first one to tell you that. All right, moving on to my favorite topic. And I think today I finally realized I was in the gym. Streelman's in there. We've got his trainer. I've got my trainer, Ando. And I'm talking, I'm literally saying, man, I really like live golf, but this team championship was boring as shit. I could not get into it. And granted, the PGA Tour was taking place in the evening, so there was no competition there between whether or not I was going to watch the PGA Tour or whether I was going to watch Live Golf. And I'm sitting there watching Live Golf with the team championship, and damn, guys. I, I And my team, the Range Goats, were in this thing. They were in the final. And I still... I mean, you're watching, and maybe this is the tough thing with the format, but one second you see that four aces are in fourth, they're one over par early on. Everybody else said even. I think the crushers were at one under, and then all of a sudden it jumped completely all around in a split second. That, to me, is tough as a fan sitting there watching that, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, we got the lead. Oh, shit, we're down by four shots. That doesn't happen in an instant in other sports. So that's where, and it's tough to follow because you're not seeing everybody playing at the same time. And they keep cutting. They're trying to make it fast paced and everything. And it just, it didn't do it for me. I don't know. I mean, live golf fans. I would love to hear from all of you to tell us, I mean, did you enjoy that team championship? Now I know there's a lot of people out there that are just, no matter what, don't say anything about live golf. That is not a hundred percent. The most amazing comment you've ever heard in your life. Because a lot of that stems from the fact that the commentators and everything on Live Golf talk about how amazing and incredible and fantastic Live Golf is. I don't know. It's, it's to me, that team championship. And I was pumped for it because I'm like, let's go range goats. You know, got the greatest logo in golf right now, in my opinion. The, uh, and... Uh, I just, I, I don't even know what to say about it other than live golf fans. Let me know. Did you love the team championship? Is this what you were waiting for? I mean, last year I felt like I was more into the team championship than I was this year. I don't know. Um, the other thing is, so let me give you the rundown. First of all, the crushers win it. So the crushers, that is your squad of Bryson D. Shambushel. I know, it's DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau, Charles Howell III, so Chucky Three Sticks. Love that for him. Then you got Paul Casey, and you've got Anabon Lahiri as the fourth. And these guys, they took the title. Good for them. Range Goats came in second. They had a valiant effort coming down the stretch, but just couldn't pull it off. Um, Taylor Gooch ends up hitting one into the water and ends up giving it up for the range goats or at least their chances. Then you got, is it Torque or Torque? <laughs> I can't figure it out because I turned down the broadcast. 
I've been doing this for a while now to where I don't listen to the broadcast because it just became too much. And whenever I do turn it up and I start listening to it, all of a sudden I hear all the grandiose, you know, the car, the used car dealership uh, type of sales pitch as to this is the greatest Honda Civic you could have. It is the best thing since a Lamborghini. You will not believe how fast it is. Like that's the type of shit that I'm talking about with live golf. And it's just really tough to sit there and watch that or listen to it. I should say. So I turn it down, but you know, in doing so, I can't remember if it's Torque or Torque, um, GC, but that's got Mito Pereira. That's a good squad right there. Scott McGinnis, we've had him on the podcast. Shout out to you, Scotty McGinnis. You've had a hell of a year with Mito out there with Torque or Torque, however the hell you say it. But uh, I just want to say congrats to them. They finished third. And then the four aces. So the favorite coming into the year, the team that everybody thought couldn't be beat, Dustin Johnson, you've got Pat Perez, you've got, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of his dang name, Titleist, um, Peter Uline, and then you've got Patrick Reed, right? And we haven't heard a lot from Patrick Reed this year, has not played great golf, but Dustin Johnson, this is another question for you live golf fans out there. So live golf fans, I've got to ask you a serious question. If you watched live golf, Miami team championship, and this I'm telling you right now, this is a dead serious question. I'm not mocking anything. I'm not trying to talk shit about it or him, but did Dustin Johnson just look extremely disinterested out there? Has he just basically said, you know, I got one more year of this, and then I'm on the yacht with Pauline and the kids. I just, it did not look like he cared. And even, I will say this, I turned up the volume because he hit one shot that made me just go, they got to be talking about this on the broadcast. They have to be because he hit a shot, just looked down, stepped on the divot, moved up, couldn't care less where the shot ended up and it ended up like 10 feet away. It wasn't a ploy by the way, where it's like, Oh yeah, I hit that. So good. It was almost like a nonchalant. Like, I don't really care where the hell that golf ball went. Did you see the same thing out there? Because the broadcast even was talking about it, but did you see it live golf fans? What do you think is going on with Dustin Johnson? Does he actually care about being out there or is he already in his retirement stage to where he's just like, man, I'm going to go out there, hit this ball around and whatever happens happens. And I'm just going to move on. I have no idea. So I'm asking you because to me, it just looked like nonchalant does not care anymore. And DJ, prove me wrong, man, because, damn, I love that dude. That dude has so much swagger, and he is a fan favorite in the Cook household. I just, we'd love to see him out there playing really good golf, and it's just not happening. Now, he's not playing bad golf by any means, so don't get me wrong. He's not playing bad. It's just he doesn't look like he cares. So that's that's my question to all the live golf fans out there. I'm going to post that one on social media as well. Let's see what we get in terms of the answers around it. Let's see if anybody really gives a shit. I mean, it is funny. I'll, I'll say one other thing about live golf. So one thing that I haven't ever brought up on the podcast is that last year when they were starting out and everything, you know how they love to show the Twitter handles? Well, I started going, are there that many people that talk the same way as the broadcast team that they just keep putting it up on the screen? And sure enough, I went and started looking at those Twitter accounts and guess when they were created at the beginning of live golf. 
and they had no followers. They were following a bunch of people, but no followers. And you could tell that they were created just to put comments up for live golf. And I found that over and over and over again, you want a fun task folks. Well, if you have time, if you, and this is not a fun task, but if you have the time, go back to last year's broadcast, like midway through the season and start pulling up those Twitter feeds that they will put up onto the broadcast and then look into those accounts. I don't even know if some of them will still be active, but they certainly did that. And when some of them popped up on, uh, on Sunday in the final round, I'm going, I wonder if that one's fake. And I just didn't have the time or the really the interest to go in and look it up and so forth. But I'll say this. I'm interested to see what next year looks like for live golf. If this PIF agreement goes through, if it doesn't go through, I mean, Greg Norman came out and said, (laughs) I forget who posted it. Golf.com or golf digest. One of them came out and talked about or posted his comments that the business model works. And I, I lost my mind. I'm going, man, there's the delusional used car dealer. Sorry to the, the used car dealerships out there that uh, have good salespeople and don't bamboozle people. But it's just, how do you come out and say, we know the business model works when you're so far in debt, there's almost zero chance you're going to recoup your money. I mean, I get it from the standpoint, and and some people on the comments were saying, well, it did work because it got Piff into those conversations with the PGA Tour. I can tell you first and foremost that Greg Norman, that was not his objective. His objective was to create a great business with Live Golf and have it be its own entity forever and ever and ever. He was not on the same page as Yasir. He didn't know that that was Yasir's plan in order to force the PGA Tour into allowing them to get an investment to where Greg Norman would be out of a job and live golf would go away at some point. So I don't know what the hell he was smoking or what he was doing, but that's that grandiose bravado, that car, that (laughs) car salesman type of deal. Oh, this 1989 Honda Civic. This is the best vehicle you are ever going to drive. When you drive this thing, it's going to be like you are floating on pavement. I probably should go with something other than a Honda Civic. Honda Civics were pretty good. I would let, let's call it a Ford Pinto. You know, this 1991 Ford Pinto is absolutely a gem. It floats on the pavement. You will never feel a bump again in your entire life if you buy this vehicle. No, you cannot test drive it. I am telling you, though, that this is the best thing you will ever drive. I'm going to need a deposit before you're allowed to take it off the lot. Yeah, just these rules that we have here, which make sure that you have the greatest experience on the face of the planet. That's the type of stuff that I'm talking about, and that's what always comes out of Greg Norman. And it's like, dude, people are not idiots. We're not stupid. The business model didn't work. Unless you're Yasir and Piff, that's the only people it worked for, which, by the way, that still has to go through as an agreement with the PGA tour in order for them to have this whole thing work out for Piff or for Yasir who is trying to get that, uh, Gusta national membership. Uh, don't see that one going through now as we move beyond live golf. And by the way, folks, I can't even move on from live golf because it's a sad day for live golf fans everywhere. Their season is done. We're not going to hear from Live Golf. Well, we might hear from them, but until next year, until we are in the year 2024. So sad day, sad day all around. Live Golf, we're going to miss you until next year. Hopefully there is a next year. I hope there is. But I was saying at the beginning of that, that I was in with 
my trainer, and I'm like, man, do I actually like live golf? And I had that moment to where I'm like, I keep telling everybody that I like it. Live golf fans, especially the avid ones, just hate the commentary by me and Bobby about live golf, especially when it comes to the golf picks, but louder segment to where we picked the last place player, last place team, which by the way, I did the auto picks for Bobby. And of course, who finished dead last iron heads, who finished dead last player wise, Siwon Kim. So Bobby, I'm going to get chalk you up to another 2000 pennies there. Well done, even though it was just an auto pick, but the week prior really set that one up for you. But the commentary from Bobby and I, and I'm just sitting there going, I like it. I like live golf. I like live golf. And then I'm having this conversation with myself and I'm like, do I like live golf? Do I like it? Like, really? Like, I was saying it out loud in front of people and I'm like, do I actually? Which all those live golf people that say that we're haters, they might be right after all. I ho- I I don't think so though. <laughs> I I I have a team. That's my range goats. And now, do I own any apparel? I was going to. Let's actually see. Do they have their store up yet? Because that was the thing where. When I wanted to buy Range Goat stuff, they didn't have a store up yet. Oh, they've got a store now. Okay. So I'm going to buy a Range Goat's hat for sure. $40. That better be... Dang, folks. I would rather spend my money at Swannies.co. That is for sure with the 25% off promo code from Pull Hook Golf. So Pull Hook Golf 25, if you put that in... All spelled as one word, Hook Golf 2-5. At checkout under the promo code, you get 25% off at swannies.co. So, yeah, I don't think I am actually going to spend $40 on a Range Goat hat. Ooh, but they do. Ooh, hang on a second. Scratch that. I may have to get a visor. Oh, my Lord. They have the old school visor that Bubba wears. That might be legit. I might have to do that. All the other stuff looks pretty. Mm. I mean, the four aces have a pinstripe hat. If I was a four aces hat or four aces fan, that would probably be my go-to. You know, Cleeks GC, they've got a checkered rope hat. That's actually pretty dope. Martin Keimer's on there. He's just smiling away wearing that hat. I don't know whether he's laughing at himself or not. Fireballs, not really digging the maroon, bright red, and yellow. If it was just red and yellow, that'd be all right. Anyways, range goats, baby. Range goats all day long. I am a fan of live golf. I like live golf. Okay? That's the final answer. That's what I'm going with. Oh, it's just everybody that's kind of behind it is where I kind of have a struggle with it. Now, the final segment for tonight is something that I've had direct experience with. Okay, so it's DMT and golf. Golf Digest released an article, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a while now since back in March, I ended up doing a form of DMT. It's 5-MeO-DMT, which is... Uh, really Bufo alvarius, which is the toad venom um, that you end up smoking. And you're out for a lot shorter amount of time, but it is the strongest. It's I want to say that they said it's like 10 times as strong as DMT is. Now, if you're not familiar with DMT, that is what is in ayahuasca. Um, you also have a drug out there, which is magic mushrooms. That is psilocybin, okay? psilocybin that's my best shot at it that is magic mushrooms and now all of a sudden you've got some pros going back even to 2022 like morgan hoffman dj trahan was mentioned in this to where i mean dj trahan the article was saying was crying over the phone as to how much ayahuasca has helped him in terms of his mental game 
towards golf. Now, as somebody who has done this directly, and I will say that I'm surprised it's taken this long to get into golf because golf is one of the most mental sports ever. And this is going to lead right into the conversation that will be released on Thursday with my mental performance coach, who has also been through a buffo of various experience. We talk about it a little bit on the podcast um, episode that I do with him, but he's my mental performance coach, Brandon Epstein. And so definitely make sure to listen to that particular podcast if you're interested in this topic. Um, but that being said, magic mushrooms, if you do a hero dose, can have, and by hero dose, it means that, you know, there is your, and I don't know which side is which here, but at the beginning level, it is a microdose. Then in the middle, you have your normal dosage of mushrooms, and then you have your hero dose, which is all the way on the other end of the spectrum. And that can have a similar effect, right? Now, some of you may be familiar with Mike Tyson's journey with Bufo Alvarius, um, or Aaron Rodgers with ayahuasca. But what I will tell you is that it really forces you to go inside of yourself. And I think Aaron Rodgers actually said it um, best in an interview where he was talking about it a few years back um, when he did it and said that he had to sit with all these self-doubts and things that sports broadcasters have said about him. And he kept fighting all of these feelings and emotions around it and these beliefs. And through the experience, he actually accepted them as true. So this might seem counterintuitive, but when you accept them as being true, that this could, this could be, I could be a choke artist. I could be somebody that, you know, people don't like to listen to, or they don't like to watch me throw a football, um, or I am overrated. Like all these things he said that he was sitting with and through that ayahuasca experience, he was able, once he accepted it, then he could recreate his beliefs around those areas and create new beliefs. And from a mental performance standpoint, I mean, all of these, whether it's DMT or psilocybin, um, a.k.a. magic mushrooms, what it will end up helping mentally with, and by the way, if you, if you think this is uh, mumbo-jumbo stuff, go check out John Hopkins' research around Bufo Alvarius or Ayahuasca DMT or psilocybin because they've done a ton of research around it with extraordinary results, whether it comes to PST or, or to... Uh, Oh, gosh, aggression issues to um, depression to stress, anxiety. There is such a high rate around these specific, I'll call them medicines, uh, because that's what they essentially are. But how does this relate to golf? Well, golf being such a mental sport, how many times do people just lose their mind out there in terms of anger, right? Let me ask you. How many times have you lost your temper on the golf course? For me, it was all the time. I mean, people that I play with will tell you there is a night and day difference in how I act on the golf course because I don't get mad anymore. Now, when I hit bad shots, it's like, damn, shit, fuck. Like, yeah, you're still going to drop those. Like, you still have emotions, but you don't lose your cool. You don't lose your temper. It's not something that just strikes you to where you can't function anymore. And that is something that I can tell you in reading the Golf Digest article, and I encourage anybody to go read the Golf Digest article about DMT and golf, um, and they've been sending out I think I've gotten like six emails from them with like trying to promote that article. Um, but again, if you're interested in learning more about that, 
definitely listen to the episode that will be dropping on Thursday with my mental performance coach, Brandon Epstein, because we we dive into those topics. And again, I can just tell you from firsthand experience that not only does it work, but it it is a game changer. And I can only imagine because I haven't been on the PGA Tour. I haven't been through that type of grind before to where, and I've only played on the mini tours and so forth. So credit, that's a grind in and of its own right, but that's not like being on the PGA Tour. And on the PGA Tour for somebody like DJ Trahan or Morgan Hoffman, you know, to go through that grind and be back and forth. And I mean, DJ Trahan, he won twice on tour. So it's not like he's a nobody. It, and certainly, I believe he's in his 40s now. But that being said, this stuff has a way to transform people, make them better, help them in terms of understanding. Um, so, again, read that article. Check out the podcast episode coming out on Thursday. And uh, I will leave you with that because, and by the way, I'm, I'll try to find and I'll post it in the story of Aaron Rodgers with his interview about his ayahuasca experience because, again, he dives into it. And ayahuasca is a little bit different than like what I went through with Buffalo Various, which is very intense, where my, or mine was very intense to where it only lasts 15 minutes. With ayahuasca, that lasts depends on how much you drink and so forth of it. Uh, but it's from a natural plant that uh, ends up getting boiled and turned into like a tea, I guess. And then you take it. I just had a friend of mine who went down, um, I believe, where was he? Was it Columbia? Uh, but just went through a ayahuasca retreat and everything. And I mean, everybody that comes back from those all say the same stuff. So it is a great experience to go through. Um, and again, just, I'm not promoting it by any means. It is just something that, uh, I will say if, uh, you're looking for the mental side of golf and you haven't been able to figure it out and you've worked with sports psychologists or a mental performance coach and you still can't figure it out, guess what? You may want to check out ayahuasca, magic mushrooms at a hero dose or, Buffalo varies. So uh, there you go, folks. There is that uh, final piece to it. Um, once again, this episode is sponsored by Swanee's Golf. I'm your host, Matt Cook, and we are signing off for the night. Next week, we're hoping to have Bobby back rested after his uh, trip to Japan. I know that is a lot to go from Vegas then to hop on that charter, head over to Japan, and then hop right back over. And, uh, yeah, so you, you got the rundown when it came to the Zozo. We will talk to Bobby a little bit uh, more about that next week. As, by the way, next week's show is going to be all about the Worldwide Technology Championship that has a brand-new location. So down in Los Cabos, I love it down there in Los Cabos. And this is at Diamante, which is the two golf courses, or Diamante is the resort, the two golf courses that Tiger Woods designed. Somebody fact-checked me, but I believe this is the first time that the PGA Tour will be playing a golf tournament on a Tiger Woods course. So that's going to be pretty exciting to see how the guys fare out there. It's going to be a beautiful location, and uh, that's in two weeks. So no golf tournament this weekend, folks. We've got the kickoff of the uh, NBA. We've got NHL hockey now as well. We've got college football. We've got NFL. So if you're a sports fan, this time of year is fucking fantastic. I absolutely love it. And uh, you've got plenty of stuff to watch this weekend. But uh, in two weeks, we've got the Worldwide Technology Championship. Hopefully, Bobby will be back as we uh, talk about that one. Get his uh, insights from even Shriners. We'll jump back to Shriners a little bit and find out what happened on that 10th hole for SH. And uh, 
also talk about the Zozo Championship, how the weather was over there, but uh, and then we will prep for that tournament, get into some penny bets. But I want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. And uh, until next time, we are signing off, or I'm signing off. Peace, everybody.